Regular holiday is very, very commercialized, and although much has been tried to be commercialized about Easter, it still remains very uniquely Christian. I know when I was young, I'd run down the stairs excited because I knew waiting for me was an Easter basket filled with all kinds of unhealthy things. I loved that, but that's not what Easter was about. As we saw this morning, Easter celebrates the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And it is all done so that you and I can be good with God. Perhaps you found yourself in a situation where you were in a, li- where you were in a little bit over your head. Right? You were facing something that you knew uh, may not end out very well. You weren't really sure how to accomplish what you were trying to do. And perhaps you received the advice, just fake it till you make it. Right? Act like you know what you're doing. The idea is that you do the best you can and act like you have it together until hopefully it just works. And in many ways, this is how many people understand their walk with God. I'm just going to fake it till I make it. I'm just going to do the best that I can and hope that one day I will stand before God and it'll all just work out. That's the hope. And this is not a new thought. There's nothing new under the sun. In fact, the ancient Greek philosopher Aristotle stated that to be righteous, you must do righteous acts. That in order to make sure you're good with God, you work as hard as you can and then just hope. Just hope you're good with God. The problem is this leads to frustration and confusion. I mean, how, how can you know if you've done enough? How much is enough to be good with God? How can you be sure you even know what to do and the things you're doing are the things he wants you to do? And in the end, you're just left to fake it till you make it. Unfortunately, this doesn't work. But there is a better way. And we celebrate this on Easter. God has created a way in which we can be sure that we can be good with God. This is through faith. Through faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, we can be sure that we are good with God. Now, throughout chapter 4 of Romans, you will see a repeated word, the word Righteousness. It's the word meaning rightness or how to be right before God. In other words, how can you be good with God? And God lays out for us in this chapter the ways, really the way that we can be good with God. He begins in the chapter by laying out several faulty ways, ways we attempt to be good with God that don't work. He tells us righteousness is only by faith. It's not by works. In verses 1 through 8, he lays out for us that righteousness does not come by good things that we do, by the works that we do. Going to church does not make you good with God. Helping your neighbor doesn't make you good with God. Doing all kinds of community service doesn't make you good with God. Now, all of these are wonderful and good things to do. But these are not the things that give you a relationship with God. It does not come as a payment for our works. In verses 9 through 12, we discover that righteousness is, not by, is by faith, not by status. 
Some people think that just by the way they're born, they're good with God. I'm an American, therefore I am a Christian. I was born into a family that goes to church on Easter and Christmas. Therefore, I am Christian. I am good with God because of who I am. Others rely on uh, their status as wealthy influencers. They give to good causes and therefore they are good with God. And they assume that because they've been successful that obviously God loves me and is blessing me. Others view their idea of being church members as making sure they're good with God. I, I come to church on Sundays. I am here. I'm a part of this church. Therefore, I am good with God. And we see in verses 9 through 12 that the Jews thought they were good with God because they were historically called the people of God. So they must be God's people. But he demonstrates that it's not status that makes you good with God. Maybe it's rules. Maybe if we just have this set of guidelines that we follow, then we'll be good with God. But verses 13 through 17 reveal to us that righteousness is by faith, not by rules. You can have a lot of rules. And, and rules are not bad things. Without rules, there is chaos and anarchy. But it is not rules that make you good with God. Many times we think that if we just do the right things, follow the right guidelines... I don't get drunk and I don't do drugs and I dress the right way and I look like a good person. Maybe I even hold my Bible when I come into church and I smile. I'm good with God. I've followed the rules. But being a rule follower doesn't make you good with God. It just makes you a good rule follower. We're told that rather what rules do is they reveal our sin. They don't make us good with God. So how do we become Good with God. And the answer is Easter. Look with me at verses 18 through 25 of Romans chapter 4. Paul says this In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promises of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus, our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. In this final part of this chapter, Paul has been walking through Abraham's life and he reveals that that ancient faithful man was saved not by works not by status not by rules and keeping the law but by faith and he points to a specific circumstance in Abraham's life god had promised abraham and sarah that he would bless them that he would make them from them a great nation and that ultimately from them would come the one who would rid the world of sin and problems. But there was an issue with this. Abraham 
was 100 years old. Sarah was 90 years old. And yes, this was thousands of years ago, but it was still the same then as it is now. You didn't have children when you were 100 and when you were 90. It didn't happen. That would be very odd. Great grandma, what's going on? You're going to have a new great grandpa. What? It'd be weird. But this is what happens. God tells Abraham, you will have a child. You place yourself in Abraham's shoes. It would not be unusual or out of the ordinary to think that is the craziest thing I've ever heard. But what does God tell us Abraham did? Abraham believed. Abraham believed that God would fulfill his promise. And God did. God gave Abraham a child. And God counted that faith as righteousness. And that faith came out in his actions for 15 to 18 years later. God came to Abraham and he said, you need to do something for me to demonstrate your faith and your trust in me. You need to take your son, your only son, Isaac. You need to take him to this mountain and there you need to sacrifice him to me. And again, Abraham believed God. He believed that God would fulfill his promise. In Hebrews 11, we are told that Abraham believed that God would raise Isaac from the dead. And so he took Isaac on that hike a few days away. And as they are going, Isaac is looking around and he recognizes Abraham is getting elderly. Perhaps his mind is beginning to go. He says, Dad, we've got the wood. We've got the rock. We forgot the most important thing. What did we forget, son? We forgot the sacrifice. Abraham told him, God will provide. Till they got to that mountain. And they laid the stone and they put the wood on. And then Abraham turned to Isaac and said, son, you're the sacrifice. And Isaac willingly got on that altar. A picture of Christ sacrificing himself for us. And as Abraham raised that knife to sacrifice his son, God said, stop. You've pictured it well. You trust me. And he provided for him a ram to take the place of Isaac as Christ takes our place on the altar. And it was that faith that was counted as righteousness. But faith in what specifically? For Abraham is faith that God would keep his promise. But we have a fuller picture of what that promise is. And Paul tells us what it is. He says, we believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord. Who delivered for our transgressions and was raised for our justification. You see, we have a sin problem. We all do wrong. We all do things that are even the best of us have made mistakes. Even the best of us have done what is wrong. Problem is only one wrong thing eliminates the possibility for us to enter into a perfect heaven. Some of us are married. Got an engaged couple. We've all had to buy that ring and learn the, the seas of diamonds, right? 
And we learn that it's all based on the flaws in the diamond. How small of a flaw has to be in the diamond for it not to be perfect? And the answer is even the most microscopic flaw keeps it from being perfect. So one imperfection in heaven ruins the perfection of heaven. And God cannot allow that. In fact, God must pour out his wrath on it. And so we are told in Romans chapter 6 that the wages of sin is death. Eternal separation from God forever. But Christ was delivered for those transgressions. Jesus Christ took on flesh, lived the perfect life, and died in your place. He took the punishment you and I deserved on himself on that cross for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us he literally became our sin. And the result is his righteousness is placed on us. Why is his righteousness placed on us? Because he rose from the dead. Friday night, we celebrated Christ's death, that he died for our sins. But today we celebrate the fact that three days later, he did not stay dead, but he rose from the dead and lives forever. And he does this so that you and I can live forever too. We can be freed from death. So when we die on this earth, we will live for God for all eternity. And one day our bodies will be raised incorruptible and will be reunited with God forever. And so we don't fear death anymore. It's what gives hope and meaning and purpose to life. It's what allows Christians to live with joy. Because what's the worst thing that can happen? We live. Because to die is to be with Christ. And it's all because of the resurrection of Christ. So how do we gain that? How do we become good with God so that we can know that we have eternal life? And the answer is faith. Our responsibility is to do nothing but give ourselves to him. To say, I can do nothing of myself, God, it's all you. Here's my life. Romans chapter 10 says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, means to give him your life, to say it is yours, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You'll be good with God. And that's what we are about here at Cambria Baptist Church. Our purpose, our mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. To make sure people are good with God. And to declare his glory to all people. Because God is good. So that's our desire for all here today. In a room this size, I have to believe that there are some here who are not good with God. You're relying on your works. You're relying on your status. You're relying on wealth or success. Or you're just faking it till you make it. You're just hoping. Wishing upon a star. And I'm here to tell you, you don't have to. Because Jesus rose from the dead. And because he he rose, we will rise. And so I invite you today. If you don't know for sure that you are going to spend eternity with God. If you don't know for sure that you are good with God. After the service, grab myself, grab Pastor Christian. Grab any one of our members here, and we will more than gladly take God's word and show you how you can be confident you are good with God. 
For those of us who are confident we're good with God, not based on our works, but based on Christ's righteousness, today we celebrate just like we do every Sunday, the incredible resurrection of Christ. And so as you go today and you eat a lot of food, and you get tired, take some time to meditate on the incredible reality that God did not spare his son, but gave him up freely for us all. And so we can have confidence that he will give us all things. He will care for us in all things. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift, the sacrifice, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lord, I ask that we would learn to live in faith and in righteousness. To make you look as good as you really are. Lord, I ask that if there are any here who have not placed their faith and trust in you, that today they would do so. You would not allow them to sleep until they are good with you and confident that they have a purpose in life to live for you. We do love you. In Jesus' name, amen.